Last Sunday, the message for today is we win if we don't quit. And I want to review just a little bit. The first message was three weeks ago, and it was God's plan for us. Third John 1-2, Beloved, I wish or pray above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospers. We talked about the kingdom of God, the spiritual laws of giving and receiving. Proverbs 10:22. I have a lot of scripture today. The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. Amen. We talked about that, that we're supposed to be rich. We're supposed to be prosperous. We're supposed to help the needy. Proverbs, or Luke 6, 38. Give, and it shall be given unto you. <clears throat> Good measure, pressed down and shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you merit with all, it shall be measured to you again. And then Proverbs 10, 22. The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. The second week, Jeannie talked about the goals and the visions. Proverbs 29, verse 18. Where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. First Chronicles 4.10 is the prayer of Jabez. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed, and enlarge my coast, and that thy hand might be with me, and that thou wouldest keep me from evil, that it may not grieve me. <clears throat> and God granted him that which he requested. We've talked about a lot that it's our responsibility to believe God and to ask God that it's okay to ask God for the blessings and for the finances that we need to be prosperous. Amen. The goals and the visions, you need to have that vision. You need to have that goal to know where you're headed. And it lets you know where you've been and where you've, you've come from also. But without that goal and without that vision, you don't know where you're headed. If you look around, you'll see a lot of people that they go year by year and they're not really making much progress of where they're headed or where they're going because they don't know. And we've gone over that before extensively of how important it is to have that vision and those goals. The third message was last week, prosperity, financial independence. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall bust out with new wines. Honor the Lord, and he will honor you. God doesn't need a disclaimer like the world. I went over that last week of the disclaimer. He never fails, and he's always right. He's a good, loving God, yes, amen. a good father. So, here we are on our way to financial prosperity. There's only one thing left. What do you think that is? We have an adversary, the devil. And at this point, his last tactic is to make you 
give up. You win. We know what the scriptures say. We know what the word tells us. But we can't give up. And so the devil comes to make you give up, to try to give, try to make you quit. Because if we give up or we quit, then he wins. Come on. James 4, 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So it's our responsibility to use scripture to have the devil flee from us. Yes. No different than what Jesus did when he was tempted in the wilderness. He had to use scripture to fight against the devil and what the devil wanted him to do. And we're supposed to do the same thing. John 10.10 10. The thief, the devil, cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Yes. We need to get that word down. I, last week I talked about things coming from our natural our mind to our spirit and our spirit up to our mind but we need to get those spiritual truths up into our mind to where we're speaking those out to where then the devil will flee from us as the word tells us we need to get them deep down within inside of us the word of god this is a marathon race yes, that's it's right. not a sprint Come on. <clears throat> we would all like it if it was a sprint because most of us can do the sprint for a little bit. But unfortunately, this is our total life from the time we're born until we go to heaven. It's a marathon race. Marathon races are not easy. <clears throat> they take a lot of endurance. Some races you actually swim, some you ride bikes, some you climb mountains, some you run across the desert. There's all different things involved in a marathon race depending on what they're trying to do and accomplish in it. But we know that God is faithful <clears throat> within our finances. Ecclesiastes 11, 1 and 2, King James, Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. And I believe that, especially of this church, that you are givers. And you might not see that return quickly, but I know that it's coming. The word tells us that it's coming back with every wave. I love the new living translation. Send your grain across the seas, and in time, profits will flow back to you. But divide your investments among many places, for you do not know what risk might lie ahead. But God does. He's a faithful God. <clears throat> Job, a man of Uz, greatest of all the men of the East. We're going to look at Job a minute to see what he went through. We get a glimpse of heaven, of where the devil comes to the Lord and says, well, Job is prosperous, he's wealthy, because you've got a hedge around him. And the Lord says, no, I don't, and you can do certain things to Job. We don't understand why that happened or why or what. But I want to look at Job. In that, the devil was able to kill all of his children, take all of his money, take all of his livestock, the land, the people that he had working for him, everything. Everything was wiped out in one 
day. Pretty bad, isn't it? One day. But when you look at Job, he didn't curse God. He remained true to God in that he didn't curse God. Even at one point, his wife turns to him and says, Job, curse God and die. But he didn't. And that's the way we have to be. No matter what is thrown at us or what life brings us, we need to always stand upon God's promises and we cannot give up. The neat thing about Job is he was restored double. He had double the children, double the money, double the livestock, double the land, double the people. The Lord blessed him double in the end. We're going to look at some other people. You go to Hebrews 11, and it talks about God's people of faith. They didn't give up. I'm not going to go into it because you can preach a message or messages on every single person that I'll mention here today. But look what Abel did. He worshipped God the way he was supposed to, and he was killed by his brother Cain. Because Cain didn't want to worship God the way he was supposed to. We see Enoch, he pleased God. He was a grandson. He'd heard the stories about Adam and Eve walking in the garden. And he wanted that relationship with his God. And when he did, the Lord took him to heaven because he pleased God, it tells us. What about Noah? A hundred years or more building an ark. Do you know what ridicule he went through? They didn't even know what rain was back then. The Bible tells us that it, the vegetation was watered by the mist and the dew. There was no rain. But he did it. Would you be able to? Look at, Sarah, look at Abraham and Sarah believing for that child. Twice the Lord came to Abraham and said, look at the sky. Can you number the stars? Look at the sand on the sea. That's how much your, your children will be through you. Two times, ten years apart. That's a lot to stand. But it's an, it's an example for us of how we're supposed to stand. You can look at Isaac, what went through his life. Jacob. Joseph, sold into slavery by his brothers, but he stood firm. And then there's also Moses with everything Moses went through, but he stood firm. You have Rahab, where she turned to the God of the Israelite people to, to believe in that God, and it saved her from destruction. You look at Gideon. Gideon's family was the least of all the families. And the angel comes to Gideon and said, oh, man of great valor. And Gideon says, that's not me. <laughs> but there's that potential that's within you. Yes. Look at what Esther, Mordecai says to Esther, for a, for a time as this is, what you've, is why you're here. She had to take the chance of going in to speak to the king or lose her life. Look at the, what Samson went through. Look at what David went through. And yes, 
we can see that they had sin too, no different than we do, that we fall sometimes. But we have a God that if we repent and turn back to him is more than enough and faithful to forgive us. You have Samuel. And then we come to the New Testament. The first one I put down is Jesus because he came and he literally died for each one of us. But he knew his father would raise him in three days. You look at Paul, what Paul did. He was shipwrecked, I think, a couple times. He was beaten, I don't know how many times. He was stoned and raised back to life. Look at the other apostles, what they did in their life that they laid it down for the gospel. Takes that faith to do that. And that's what we're believing for our finances is it takes that faith. The story that I'm going to share with you now is one I mentioned four weeks ago. It really hit home because it's about a farmer. I hope it hits home as much to you as it did to me. And this is told by Kenneth Hagin, and I heard it through uh, Keith Moore. But this is back in the Depression, down south. And back then, you didn't have the banking system as much as what we do today. You had rich people that would loan money out to the community to grow the crops. Most people at that time were farmers. You didn't have your cities the way they are today. And so there was a rich man in the community loaning the money out to the farmers. The problem is they had a drought three years in a row. There was no money for the farmer. Even the church was falling behind. And the rich man came to the church and says, what are you going to do on the money you owe me? And they said, well, you certainly wouldn't take the church. And he says, oh, I certainly will. I have a use for it. That tells us that he was not a God-fearing man. He wanted his money. At that point, it had gotten so bad that the farmers were leaving. They were just signing over the deed to the property and giving it to the man. But there was one man that signed it over, but he stayed on the farm. He probably was farming for the rich man at that point. But he'd get up early in the morning. He would go out and he would get the weeds out of the crops. He would trim the hedges. He would whitewash the fence and whitewash stones. Anybody know what whitewash is? Ooh, there's some. Whitewash, for the younger ones, is a lime that you mix with water, and it makes it white, and you put it on like paint. When I was growing up, before the milk inspector came to the barn, you always had to whitewash it down to make it look good. But this, this farmer would do that. He'd go out, and he'd tend it, and he'd take care of it. But he was believing by faith for that farm that he had lost. And a year later, the rich man came to him and signed the deed back to him. It hits me hard because I don't know if I would have been able to do that. I don't know if I would do it because it was easier to leave. But it's an example for us of how much faith it takes and the patience and the time that it takes sometimes. Hebrews 11:15 New Living Translation 
If they had longed for the country they came from, they could have gone back. But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly home, heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. That's referring to the ones I've mentioned here before. And I mentioned that the heaven is 1,200 miles long, wide, and high. That's as long. It's as, the city is as big as from here to Florida is how big the heaven is. And that's what we're supposed to be looking for is that heavenly city. Jesus even tells us that he's going to prepare a place for us, a mansion for us. Anybody know what your mansion looks like? If I sat down with you and talked with you and maybe went over your goals and visions, I could come pretty close. And I base that upon Jesse Duplantis was taken up to heaven one afternoon. And King David was showing him around heaven. It's two DVDs long of what he was showing in heaven. But King David is, they're walking down the street of the prophets, and he, Paul is out speaking, preaching. And Paul says, what are they saying about what is in the Bible? And Jesse talks to him a minute. And they make a corner around and King David says to Jesse, that's your house right there. How would you like to see that? Jesse tells what his house looked like. He likes tall ceilings. He likes the furniture from Europe, 100, 300, 400 years old. I, can't, I don't know the names of it and like that, but it was all there. He likes the entry into the house a certain way. It was all like that. The grass was all manicured, all cut. It was everything that he could ever think or imagine that he liked. And he turned to King David and says, well, this is everything that I like. And King David says, yes. And what I've ever said the last couple of weeks, the Lord knows you before the foundation of the earth, and he knows you before you're knit in your mother's womb. He knows exactly what you like and what you need and what you want. Better than we do ourselves. Yeah. But that's why we can trust him. <clears throat> but what do we hear? We see people that they say, the good old days. They want to go back to the good old days. Part of that is because they're in unbelief. They don't want to believe for the future. But look at what the Hebrew people told Moses. They wanted to go back to Egypt. They were 430 years in Egypt being slaves for Pharaoh. They built the pyramids. They built the palaces. They were beaten. Toward the end, they couldn't make their quota of bricks, and they were beaten. But after being released from Egypt, and they're in the wilderness... They start to murmur, but they, they tell Moses, we want to go back to Egypt. And what do they say? They have the cucumbers, they have the leeks, they have the fish. They have seen all the miracles that God has done for them, and yet they turn and want to go back to Egypt and be slaves. 
If you turn back, the devil is more than willing to let you become a slave again. Because he knows then you're not believing God. You don't trust God. Come on. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians 10.13 There has no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able. you got to get that down inside when you're going through the trials and the tests. But will, with the temptation, also make a way to escape? that you may be able to bear it. <clears throat> when those temptations come, when those trials and tests come, return it to the sender. The sender's the devil. Amen. Send it back. Don't take it. It's not mine. Don't dwell on it. The next story I'm going to tell is about me. It's my fight against prostate cancer. Okay, so we start out with, yes, I have a family history. I have a family history of prostate cancer. So am I going to believe God's word, that I'm a new creation in Christ, and I've been healed, he went and died for me on the cross, shed his blood, or am I going to believe my family history? The same thing goes for the reports. Am I going to believe God's word, or am I going to believe the reports? Starts out, my grandfather, age 57, Henry Ford Hospital, Detroit, prostate cancer, 1952. My father, age 56, Elma Hospital, prostate surgery. My father, 73, external radiation, Mayo Clinic, Phoenix, Arizona. My father, age 87, the PSA starting to rise. PSA is a blood sample that measures the cancer that's growing in the prostate, and they're able to tell what's happening by taking the PSA from the blood test. They can measure the PSA, and that's what that is looking at is the cancer. My dad is 83 today and still fighting with the prostate cancer. comes to me, age 56, it's hard to urinate. Prostrate is enlarged. One thing I like about Pastor is he preaches what we're living sometimes. And sometimes it gets down to right where we're at. Ladies, if your husband is taking longer than you are to go to the restroom, make sure you get him to his annual Come physical yes. because there's something wrong. Right. And the quicker you find out, the quicker you can get it corrected and right. start believing God for it in that. Well, thank you, Pastor, because on that. Uh, 58, my PSA starts to rise. Start to see a urologist. Age 60, I have the prostate removed robotically. Lymph nodes are negative. PSA is zero. 
All is well. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Amen. I'm done with that. My PSA starts to rise. At this time, I have a number of term life insurance policies. Anytime I bought a farm, I would buy term life insurance to go along with that farm. In case something happened to me, the farm would be paid off so that Ben and Jeannie wouldn't have to pay it off if I wasn't there. Unbeknownst to me, some of these were, I knew they were coming due, but because of having the prostate cancer, they will not even look at you for five years. Right. So, the financial part of the message today is, if you are getting life insurance, buy the term life insurance because it's very, very cheap to help protect your family, but buy it for as long as you can, yes. not 10 years. Right. My goals and my vision were too small. Go 20, go 30, go 40. You can always cancel. Right. Right. But you might not always be able to get it. Yeah. One thing we learned. PSA starts to rise. I'm 60, 2014. Fall of 2014. I go through radiation at CMU, Mount Pleasant. Six weeks, every... Monday, Wednesday, Friday. After that, I drive back to the farm to harvest, drive the combine. PSA is zero. Thank you, Jesus. All is well. Amen. Age 61, 2015. PSA starts to rise again. April 2016, Jeannie and I go to Chicago, a Kenneth Copeland convention. I'm prayed for by Kenneth Copeland. All is well. Thank you, Lord. Amen. June 2016, the PSA is too high. I have to have a shot, and I have to have pills that I take. Another life example. <clears throat> what they give me, I have hot flashes. <clears throat> you see this right here with Suzanne? <laughs> <laughs> if you notice, Jeannie took off her sweater this morning in the, in the start. That was a hot flash. Um, the point I want to make here is that men, you have no idea what that is like. And if you want to, I've, I've got a few extra pills. Or maybe I should give those to the, the women. No, I'm just kidding. But it's, it's you, you hear about the dual controls within the car. It helps, but it doesn't even come close. Yeah, yeah. You can roll the window down, that helps. But the point I want to make, especially to the men, is that we're supposed, our wives are our helpmates. Yeah. And 
even myself, I, I didn't understand. Right. And I wasn't as compassionate, I wasn't as loving as what I should have been. And it, it's hard to explain. You don't know when they're going to hit, and they hit within a second, and you'll go from fine to just burning up completely. But men, remember your wives as they go through that, because it, it's not easy like that to do it. The problem with the shot and the pills in order to counteract the prostate cancer is that it took my strength away, it took my stamina away. This is June and I'm helping tend the sprayer, meaning I drive the semi, I park it, and then I help the fellow when he comes with the sprayer to fill it. We're down in Clinton County it's an old farmstead. It's the grass. The house is gone. Beautiful place to park. And I can't even lift up the 50-pound bags of ammonium sulfate. It's all I can do to drag them over closer to where the, the sprayer operator can grab them. I help him what I can, and I lay on the grass the next two hours and just sleep because I'm completely exhausted. The other thing is in the fall, I play basketball Monday, Wednesday, and Friday in the morning. That year, I could only throw the basketball half of what I could before. And so it really starts to affect your mind because if I get a rebound and I'm trying to throw it, I have to think he's farther than what I can throw it to. Before that never entered my mind because I could throw it almost the whole way. Right. I'm not a very good shot, but I had to be twice as close to that basket of what I was before. Right. But you keep believing God. Yes. You keep going. Amen. The PSA goes down to zero. Thank you, Jesus, all is well. We go for almost two years. The PSA fall of 2018, a few months ago, starts to rise again. There is one advantage with my father. We both go to the urologist at the same time. We can schedule 15 minutes apart. I had to have a shot. My father had to have a shot. The point is this. I can't give up. Come on. That's right. And neither can you. That's right. I have to continue to believe God because at this point there is medically nothing else that they can do for Come me. Yes. But I continue to believe God yes. and thank him that I do have my strength, I do have my stamina, yep. I am able to play basketball. That's right. Amen. Amen. So in order to get more of God's word into me to believe God for his promises, I have this voice tracker. And uh, there's a lady in church that had a prophecy over me four, five, six years ago about the prostate cancer was what I was going through. I gave that to Charlie and he made a CD for me and I could listen to it over and over and over. Thank you, Charlie, for doing that. But what I realized after a, a little bit of that that I had to hear myself yes. speaking That's the right. scriptures. That's right. 
in the promises. So I bought this. And the, the, the one is the healing scriptures for me and that prophecy that was given to me. The second one is, what am I believing for our family? <coughs> Excuse me. Amazing Grace, His House Christian Fellowship, and Fellowship of Christian Athletes. I listen to this in the morning when I'm getting shaved, when I'm getting ready. But that's the second one that's on here, what I'm believing for. The third one is for the farm. What am I believing for the farm? Am I believing for the prosperity and the blessings and what scriptures go with that? But I can hear myself speak those. The fourth one is tithes and offerings. What am I believing for our, the tithes and offerings that Jeannie and I are giving every year and those scriptures that go with that? The fifth one is my marriage. What am I believing for our marriage? Long life, healthy, wealthy, and wise, but I listen to that and the scriptures that go with it. If any of you have ever been to our house, if you go into the bathroom, you'll see the scriptures taped below the mirror. That works, but this, for me, works better. Absolutely. Sixth one, finances. What am I believing for the finances in the new year? And yes, I've got to confess, I haven't done it for 2019. <laughs> I'll get to it. But what are you believing for? Right. Number seven is 25 promises from the Bible for financially tough times. Where do you think I got that from? I got that from Pastor a number of years ago. It was the handout that he gave out. But I read through every one of those and get that deep down inside of me. And the last one, as I shared last week, was our, our authority for finances by Dr. Kenneth Hagan Sr. I go through that and listen to that. I have to believe for the future, and so do you. And we have to believe that he is a good God because he is a good God. Amen. But we have to put our faith to work there. Yes. Amen. Now, we're almost done. Perfect. 15 minutes to go. That's what I'd practice the whole time. 15 <laughs> minutes short. Okay, I mentioned it. If you are believing for a financial miracle to take place, you have to give the amount, the exact amount that the Holy Spirit has been telling you to give. And you must expect to receive the offering multiplied back to you. You have to believe for that hundredfold. And this is what the Spirit told John. Then they must do one more thing. They must, they must join their faith with yours, believing their offering will be multiplied back to them 100-fold. This is for me. The prayer you speak over the offering must not be a long prayer. Just lay your hands on the offering and speak that it be multiplied 100-fold in the name of Jesus. That will be your only responsibility in the miracle. My part, meaning God, my part will be to miraculously release the hundredfold return to those who obey. And that's what we're believing to end this 
message with today is for that. But if you haven't got that amount from the Holy Spirit, I'm going to read through a number of scriptures. You might even want to close your eyes and listen to the Spirit speaking to you for that amount. Matthew 21, 22. In all things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. 1 John 3, 22. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him, because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. 1 John 5, 14 through 15. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Proverbs 29, 12. Then shall you call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. 1 John 1, 2. Dear friend, I hope above all, dear friend, I hope all is well with you and that you are healthy in your body as you are strong in your spirit. Philippians 4, 19. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Luke 6, 38. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Shall men give into your bosom? For with the same measure that you merit with all, it shall be measured to you again. I got some more, but I'm going to stop right here for a minute. As I mentioned, I was driving here to church this morning, and all of this took place early this morning. And it was like, okay, Holy Spirit, what about me? What do you want me to give? And he told me. But the interesting thing was, is what then am I believing for? As you know, we've shared our life the last four weeks dealing with a lot of finances that Jeannie and I deal with. And last week I mentioned about, because I'm semi-retiring, about new investments, new ventures that the Lord has showed me to start working on. And I thought I should believe for such and such amount of money. I thought I was believing for quite a bit, really. And the Holy Spirit says, no, you're not even close. I said, uh, okay. <laughs> and it took me a little bit, but I know what he wants me to believe for. It's impossible in the natural. But I know I have a faithful God. And so that's what I'm believing yes, for. Yes, and it's the same for you. Yes, Don't limit God by making what you're believing for so small. As I mentioned, he's a good God. He can do it. He loves the odds yeah. because he always wins. Yes. And I love this verse. Mark. 11.24. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. Matthew 7, 7 through 8. Ask, and it shall be given you. 
Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Four more. Luke 11.9. And I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. John 14.3. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. John 15.7. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. The last one. John 16, 23 through 24. And in that day you shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Hitherto have you asked nothing in my name. Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. Amen. At this point, if you want to come forward and put that offering in, and then I'll pray over it, and we'll believe. What I'm believing is, like what I shared, oh, yeah, <laughs> amen, that when the Odells are in India and Pakistan, that they will give the gospel message. But then they will tell the people that if you don't see the miracles take place, you don't see the healings take place, that the Bible tells and shows that are in there that Jesus performed and they're happening today, then you can run us out of town because the message of the gospel is not true if these don't take place. And that's my step of faith today for this congregation is that I'm taking the step of faith to make this possible and to believe with you that this will come to pass, that God is faithful and true, that he can make it come to pass. But you can't give up. You can't give up. No matter what, you have to continue to believe him. The neat thing is... <clears throat> If the devil starts yakking at you of where is, where is it at, why haven't you received it, you're really, really close. Yeah. Really close. That's a fact. Make sure you don't give up then because you are so close you don't even realize how close you're at. So, amen. Amen. Now in the book, John talks about when he did this for the first time, there was one fellow that came down two different times because, as the story I told you about last week, he didn't give the right amount the first time and that other people wanted to get in on it. They kept coming and they kept coming. He literally had to find, I mean, this is, I'm assuming, a very large building. He literally finally had to say, okay, we're done in a minute. Nobody else come to the altar so I can pray over this. And it, and it said, it's a very simple prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. I lift up these finances, Lord, of the people of this congregation to you today. I thank you, Lord, for it. And we believe for what they're believing for in the name of Jesus. Jesus. 
Jesus, Jesus, we thank you, Lord, that you paid for it on that cross 2,000 years ago. We thank you, Lord, for that. Amen. Amen. If any of you would like to receive Jesus or need prayer, please feel forward. Please feel free to come up, and we'll have some of the leadership here. Didn't Mark do a great job? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. You know, I had in my, I had it, I heard the Lord, I mean, what God, thanks for obeying the Lord. I mean, well, that puts a lot of pressure on you to like give the specific amount because you usually will start low and then the Lord will say something else that'll put us in a challenge, right? We like take the low deal and the, but the Lord's, and I looked at you, go ahead. The neat thing is, the Lord knows what's in your checkbook. Yeah, he does. And he'll never, never ask you to give more than yeah, what you have. Exactly. It might be everything. I mean, I can share story after story of Jesse Duplantis and Jerry Seville and Kenneth Copeland, on and on, where they emptied everything they had, but they were believing for something. Yeah. When the Lord told them to do it. But he'll I never know. ask you for what you can't do. Well, what I looked at Sharon and I said, that we had, we knew what we were believing God for this year, and and I looked at her and I said, we don't lose no matter what, no matter sure. what the amount doesn't matter because you don't lose because when you give it's given to you, press down good measure, Amen. And you got a word from the Lord if you ever heard our message on um, the taking the limits off about supernatural increase. All you need is a word from the Lord, Amen. Sure. And sure. God and we had it so. And then a point of contact, which we had here today, and then we take action. Um, before you go today, we're going to be up here for prayer, obviously. Stevie mentioned some of you did not get this information about what's happening with the youth, and so if you did not, they're out by the door. Um, they have had a tremendous impact, uh, but he needs your information at the bottom, too. If you did not get it, your email stuff to him, be sure to tear that out and give that back to us. The other thing is, is we're cleaning the carpets this week, so before you leave, if you would pick up chairs and stack them on the sides. That would be really, really awesome. Yeah. Okay. So just do the sides then. Just take the sides up. They don't need the sides then. That'll be fine. So you need the middle then for, t okay, for Tuesday. You know, they're having their one-year anniversary, I believe, finally. <clears throat> After three weeks of blizzards and vortexes, we're going to finally have it. But did you have anything else you wanted to do?